So this morning, I'm excited. I'm excited because I believe God wants to do something. He's always wanting to do something. Uh, and I'm really excited to close out this message that we've been doing for the last four weeks. So this is actually part five of Unshakable. We're going to resume that message today. And I really hope y'all have been getting something from this. Anybody enjoyed this message? A couple of you? Amen. We gotta, I've been saying this every week, I think. We got to get this promise of God ingrained in us. We got to plant this, this seed of, of, the, of the promise that our God is unshakable, that the kingdom of God is unshakable in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits. Because believe me, you've had plenty of opportunities so far in 2021 for you to believe that promise, that your God is unshakable, or for you to doubt that promise. Anybody began to doubt that maybe a little bit this year yet? You got to get off social media and get in this thing because you'll forget. You'll forget our God is unshakable. I hope that y'all believe it, right? He's unshakable. If God is for you, who can be against you, right? The alpha and the omega, the first and the last is for you. He knows who you are. He knows your name, right? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Amen? So get that, in, get that in you as we close this message out today. But God wants to do something even bigger through it today. So I'm excited to, to do that with us this morning. But let's hit some recaps before we get into the new part of the message, okay? So that foundational scripture, right, that we've been using for the last five weeks. And if, you, if you're looking for a promise of God, right, you know where you got to start, in the Word of God. So we're going we're gonna to prove to you that our God is unshakable through the Word of God. Verse 26 there in Hebrews uh, chapter 12. It says, when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that what? Only unshakable, right? There's our word. There's our promise. There's the title of our message. Only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. We need to not just be thankful that our God's unshakable. We need to be excited that our God's unshakable, right? Because when life throws stuff at me, I can know that, you know what? I may feel this way. I may, it may look this way. But you know what? I know my God's got me. My God's working, He's for me, not against me. He's gone before me, as we said this morning. He's, he, he's, he knows my past. Your past is dead and gone. And God wants to take us forward, right? I've said last week that I believe God shakes things up. He's actually, he's unshakable, so it makes him the shaker. And he shakes things up sometimes just to see, are you building a life on the foundation of who Jesus Christ is? Because if you're building something on anything else, on another person, on your job, on, on whatever it is, it'll fall. It will eventually fall. It may stand for a while, but eventually, if it's not built on that promise of who God is, through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, it will fall. It can't remain. That, that, um, that first recap point. We said, so, we serve an unshakable God. We have received an unshakable kingdom, and we have been given unshakable resources so we can live. Somebody say live if you're paying attention. In an unshakable life. That is 
an awesome promise for you and for me this morning. And so we kind of spent a week on each of those, right? We said, we, 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 we sat and looked and studied at how unshakable our God is, and he is. He's not surprised that any problems that are going on in your life, right? He's not surprised that Joe Biden is our president, right? He, you can't surprise the king of kings, right? And so our God's unshakable. He's steadfast. He always has an answer and a solution to your problem. If you need an answer and a solution to your problem, you need to look to him. He's unshakable, right? We looked at uh, us receiving an uh, unshakable kingdom. Has the church been shaken up this past year because of COVID? Oh, yes. You know what? But you can't contain the kingdom of God. You can't lock it up in a box. You can, the kingdom of God is flourishing in Jesus' name. Liberty Church Holly Pond is thriving in Jesus' name. Did y'all know that through COVID, our tithes and offerings actually went up? Amen. That's on y'all. The kingdom of God is unshakable. Just because we can't attend church, I can still give because I actually believe enough. Right? I believe enough in my church, enough in my pastor, enough in the people I go to church with that I, I so love God that I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to give. Y'all did that. The kingdom of God is unshakable. We have been given an unshakable resources. Pastor Jessica did such an awesome job on that a couple weeks back. She was fiery, talking about shanking the devil, right, with the word of God. And so the, the resources that God gives us, y'all, there's all sorts of resources that you can find and, and try and get in this place, in this world. But nothing can compare to the resources of heaven, the blessings of God. The Holy Spirit, our, our most important resource, the most important resource that you have on a daily basis that I hope that you're using, do you know is the Holy Spirit? He leads us. He guides us. The Holy Spirit, if you study that word out, uh, or not the word out, Jesus actually said that he is like our helper. If you need help, you need to call on the Holy Spirit. He'll give you help. And so we talked about the unshakable resources that were given. And last week we talked about an unshakable life that when I live this way, when I believe that my God's unshakable, it, it reflects and it transforms my life. Because I begin to have a, a faith, a, a, a bar of faith that is elevated. I begin to believe stronger and, and harder for the things that I'm praying and believing for. And my life begins to be unshakable. When everyone else is, is losing their minds at work, I can demonstrate the peace of God, right? Or if I'm in, with my family and everyone's getting crazy at the dinner table, fighting, fussing over whatever we fight and fuss about at the dinner table with our families, right? Uh, I can be the, the mature one, and I can be unshakable, and I can reel in the conversations and reel in the, the attitudes and reel in the emotions, right? Because my God's unshakable, Ian can be unshakable too, right? And that promise is for you. This morning. And then that, ne that next point, that, uh, that next recap point. So we, we, did, we did all that. We said all that. Uh, and we said, so what does it mean to, to, to live an unshakable life? As, I, as I'm sharing about this morning, it means that we have to live rooted in that truth, right? The reality that we are complete in Christ who is the head over everything. I said last week, I think that Jesus is like that puzzle piece, that missing last puzzle piece to your life. And that puzzle ain't complete without the life of Christ placed in its spot. And when you place that, that puzzle piece, the completed work of Christ, excuse me, in your life, God can begin to work in and through you. The work of God is alive in you. You begin to abide in Christ in the vine 
who is the lifeblood, and your life begins. It's not completed instantaneously. In some areas of your life, it can be. I've seen people uh, saved, redeemed, set free from all sorts of addictions at this altar in an instant. But the, the living our life of faith is a daily growth process, right? But without that puzzle piece in place, you don't know where to begin. You don't know where to start. And Jesus is that starting place. And so if, if, if Christ is the head and Lord over everything, the Bible says that one day every knee uh, will bow and every tongue will confess, right, that Jesus is Lord. Everything has to bow at his name, right? And so in Christ, you, we, me, we lack nothing. Somebody say nothing. If you abide in Christ, everything that you need, he can give you, right? Because he's unshakable. Apart from him, everything that you need, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Because anybody been there, done that, tried that? Maybe you're here doing that. I hope not. But you can learn a lot of lessons the hard way. Christ says, just follow me, come to me, and I can help you. Uh, Colossians 2, 9 through 10, it says, for in uh, in Christ lives all the fullness of God. There it is. In a human body. All the fullness of God is available to you. All you got to do is ask him. You got to invite him into your life. So you also are complete, there's that word, through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. We say that a lot, but think of what that means. Nothing above him. Everything below him. Everything, sickness, disease, death. One day we will, death, here sting no more, right? Are you going to be there? Are you going to enter in? Or is he going to say, uh, enter in, my good and faithful servant? Is he going to say that to you? Or is he going to say, depart from me, I never knew you? Because if you haven't asked that Jesus to come in your life, you haven't locked that puzzle piece into place in your life, it could be the latter where there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of souls that are going to hear that one day. You want to talk about a bad day. That's the baddest day forever. Depart from me. I never knew you. With Christ, we lack nothing. Um, that last recap point, I believe, before we get into the new part of our message this morning. We said last week that we live unshakable lives when we live from a place of completion. Somebody say completion. In Christ instead of living from a place of need. So where are you living on a daily basis? Where is your headspace? Are you always seeing the negative? Are you always seeing your needs? Are you always seeing not enough? Because if that's you, you're not living in a place of faith. Faith has to have faith in Jesus, but you also have to have faith to call the things as they are, even though they're not yet. Anybody done that? You have to begin to pray and declare and confidently and boldly that, God, this hasn't happened yet, but I'm standing on a word. I believe. And you can actually pray those things into existence in your life. The things that breaks my heart is I think a lot of believers don't enter into that place of faith of boldly declaring and, and praying the things that they need because maybe in their personal life they have convictions because they're not giving God their all. And if you're not giving God your all, you can't boldly, confidently go before him and pray in faith. 
So if that's you, what are you waiting for? Oh, you got we talked about desperation this morning. Just get desperate in love with him again. He's just to forgive you. All you got to do is ask. And then we're back on the, the, the road of faith, that straight and narrow road, right? It's, it's that faith. It's, it's living in the completion work of Jesus versus living in the world and my needs and my wants and the things, I, the negativity and all that stuff. Activate your faith. This morning, activate your faith. Uh, this year, this month, okay, and begin to believe in something bigger. When the world is losing its minds all over the place, you don't have to. Our God's unshakable. You can be unshakable too, right? Jesus, there's no one cooler than Jesus, and Jesus never lost his cool, right? Jesus never lost his cool. Apart from maybe the one, one iffy story would maybe when he, he went into the, the temple, right? And he began to lift up the tables and he said, you turned my house, uh, my father's house into a den of thieves, right? He didn't lose his cool though. Did you know what? That's actually a righteous indignation, a righteous anger that he had for people that were not honoring and worshiping his father in the correct way. And you know what? You can be unshakable and live in a righteous holy indignation for what is going on out there. And it's, it's nuts, ain't it? You can still do something about it living an unshakable life without losing your cool. And I said last week, church, right now is not the time for us to lose our cool. That could be a t-shirt, I think somebody said. Is it Miss Becky? Don't lose you're cool. If, if I'm following God, <clears throat> hear me, why, why you don't have to lose your cool, why you can be unshakable? If I'm following God, God's working on it. If I'm following God, Jesus Christ is on the case. <laughs> Come on, somebody. He's on the case. You got the best lawyer money can buy. He's working on it. You can go before whoever. If God is for me, who, who be against me? Jesus Christ is on the case. Amen. Don't lose your cool. Remain unshakable in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at that first new point this morning, okay? So we're, we're through all the recaps. So this is something new for you. Somebody say amen. 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 Okay, so if we live, today what we're going to talk about as we wrap this up, two more areas of our lives, okay, that we can grow in. Two more areas, that are important areas of our life that we can live unshakable in if we want to and if we choose to. And it's actually vital that we do for the church, for your family. And so we're going to be talking about our, some financial freedom today uh, and, and our growth in our spiritual lives, how we can demonstrate unshakable life in our spiritual life. And it's all spiritual, but we're going to kind of tie it in together as we wrap this up today. So if we live from a place of financial need, okay, we're going to start in the financial part. If we live from a place of financial need, then we sell ourselves to the highest bidder. If you are not honoring God with your finances, and you're broke, you're busted, you're disgusted, you don't ever have enough, if you're not honoring God with, with your finances, you can stay stuck in that place, and we'll do whatever we can to get more, what? Money, right? And money is a great tool, but it, it can't fix all your problems. You're, all the money in the world can't fix the spiritual hole in your heart. All the money in the world can't fix uh, the, the, those addictions and those compulsions in that dark, dark area, those recesses of your mind, right? 
It can only make those places worse, probably. And, and so this is why we can't live in, we can't live broke, bust, and disgusted. Right? The second part of that statement says, uh, we compromise and justify sin in order to be financially blessed. And so to be financially blessed, I got to start somewhere. I got to begin to honor God with my finances. How do I do that, Pastor Ian? You have to first see him, see him as your provider over everything that you have. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from God. Comes from him, comes from above, comes from heavenly places. And when you begin to see it that way, now you become what? A steward. I got to take care of what the king of kings has given me. Right? And so I have to take care of it. You know, that goes into, after you do that, when you first have to start there and then you begin to want to give back to God. And so you begin by tithing and offering. Tithe is literally 10%, right? We're a tithing church. We believe in that. We believe in the word of God. And so that's where we have to start. And, and God, he doesn't want you to, to, to have less than. He's the king of kings. You are royalty. You know, kings, sons and daughters, prince and princess, they live pretty good. Right? Are you living pretty good? You should be. You can be. Your father's unshakable. Right? And our father, he has everything available to him. He don't, he don't get caught blindsided when the car breaks down. He don't get caught blindsided when the air unit goes out. The Westbrooks, we have fixed a lot of cars, ain't we, babe, since we've been together five, six years. This year, right before Christmas, a week and a half before Christmas, our air unit dead. On the coldest day of the year. It was the coldest day. So what did he do? I had to go buy some electric heaters. But you know what? Because we honor God, we planned ahead. You better get some savings in, in, in advance. You better get your financial house in order. You know, God's a God of order. Guess what? We didn't have to struggle. We still was able to do Christmas. We had money set aside. We had emergency funds in place for what? Emergencies. We didn't lose our cool. I'm not bragging on us. I'm bragging on God. Right? And he, he was faithful. And you have to have a plan. You have to have a plan. It can't just fix itself. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. What is that? What did they say that is? Insanity, right? You can't just keep doing the same thing. Growth hurts. Somebody say, ouch. Growth hurts. Somebody stepping on somebody's toes. You know what you probably should be doing and you might not be doing it. God says, trust me. The biggest tangible way that you can test God, the word, the word of God says, test me in this in the tithe. Testing your faith is to physically give, right? Because money's a, a real thing. It's not my everything, but I need it. And when you by faith begin to give it back to him, that's growth. And I will stand here all day and talk if I could do that. I ain't got time, though, of how faithful he's been since we've been doing that. Right? And anybody else who's doing that can do the same thing, right? Amen, Amen Mr. Jimmy? Amen. He's faithful. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 5.10. It says, He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. You know, the author of Ecclesiastes is um, King Solomon, who was the son of King David. He also wrote all the book of, the, of Proverbs. He was a rich man. He, he was born into the kingdom after his dad did all the hard work, right? You could call him spoiled, I guess. And so he lived a, he lived a, a crazy life. And, but 
the Holy Spirit got onto him and he began to redeem the things, the life lessons that he learned. He began to write it down. And so he understood what the root of, of the evil of money could do in your life. And so he writes this, he pens this. He says, those who love silver will not be satisfied with silver, he says, nor who in abundance with increase, right? In this place, enough is never enough. Okay, you win a million dollars. What about two million dollars, right? Well, if I can get, what about five? It's, It's just not enough. Your flesh will continue to cry out. And if money, if you've made money your God, which a lot of people have done, You can't be satisfied, right? Money is unstable, but my God is unshakable. All right, somebody better write that down. That just came to me. Money is unstable, but my God is unshakable. Come on, somebody. Don't place your trust in your job, in your money, in, in your insurance policy, whatever it is. Trust in the name of Jesus, right? 1 Timothy 6.10, it says, For the love of money is the... Root of all kinds of evil. Money's not the evil thing. Money is just a tool. And when you see money is just a tool and nothing else, I'm not supposed to be in relationship with it. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be a conduit, right? It just flows from me and out of me. <laughs> to me and out of me. I can't hoard it because you can't take your money to heaven with you either. Right? It's, the, it's for the love of money, that root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierced themselves with many sorrows. A lot of rich people have miserable lives, sad, depressing lives. It brings about not just sorrows. Sometimes the richer you are, the more problems that you have. Look at our former president, Donald Trump. I love that man. Probably the only president ever that did his job and donated every single check that he got to the things that he actually believed in. But he was rich, right? He's got more problems than he knows what to do with. He's fighting legal cases in almost every single state. The more money that you have, a lot of times the more problems it brings. Do you need Jesus? Do you need God? Need the Holy Spirit? Yes. Right? That, that um, First Timothy, it says, they've been uh, in their faith and greediness and pierced themselves with many sorrows. If he's not the Lord of your life, many sorrows will come. Right? Only, only, only by his grace, but what does the Bible say? The Lord is my strength. Is the dollar bill your strength? Or is the Lord your strength? There's no sorrow in, in, in the, the blessings that come with God. Proverbs 10, 22. This is King Solomon 2. says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. And he adds what? No sorrow with it. I just proved that to you in the word of God. The blessing of God has no sorrow in it. It's all good. Every bit of it. We're going to talk about the blessing of God this morning and how it it raises my faith and my life. And when I see how blessed I am, I I, I don't have sorrow, right? I have the exact opposite. I, see, I have excitement, I have peace, I have joy, I have strength, I'm unshakable. When, when God is where he's supposed to be, right? It says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Somebody say blessing. And he adds no sorrow with it. I will never, I hope Ian never trades his blessings 
for anything else. Y'all remember Judas? He betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Some of us have betrayed Jesus for less. For less. For less. I hope Ian never trades my blessing for anything else. Y'all, I don't just say this. We live a blessed life. Y'all are part of that blessed life. I love each and every one of you. But I can't believe what, you know, Target, I, I kill bugs Monday through Sunday. I'm a bug man. And so, but Target Pest Control, I can't believe how much Target Pest Control pays me to kill bugs and, and talk Jesus with people in their homes. It's because I'm blessed. It took me a while to get that job, and it's a progression. God kept blessing me with a better job and a better job. Now I have a career. We make a little bit through the church. Our, our main seven pillars all get a little bit of something, and that's because of y'all too. But my son, and we just had a brand new baby this year, even where we live, and I'm talking about material things, I know, but we are blessed. Anybody else blessed this morning? Amen. Amen. Probably Jesus is Lord of your life, right? And it's because of Jesus, nothing else. Right? He adds no sorrow with it. Genesis 12, 2, it says, I will make you a great nation. God is talking to the people of Israel. His people, before, before Jesus came, and we have the New Testament, this is, you know, Genesis, the very beginning in the Old Testament, says, I will make you a great nation. I will what? Bless you. There it is. And make you famous, you, and you will be a blessing to others. Why does God want to bless you? Because he wants to make you happy. He wants to give you the desires of your heart, the Bible says. If you put him first, he'll give you the desires of your heart. But the, the kingdom of God, hear me somebody, the kingdom of God is not a closed club. The kingdom of God is, is for anyone who will come see and believe. Accept who Jesus is, believe it, and confess it with their mouths. It's that simple. And so God wants you to be blessed so that you can bless other people. How does God bless his people? Through his people. Isn't that crazy? God blesses his people through his people. So this is why we need the Holy Spirit too, leading and guiding us. So that when the Holy Spirit leads me, I, I, beget, I become sensitive to somebody who maybe is struggling. Or somebody who doesn't have enough. Or somebody that's going through something tough. And this goes beyond money. Right? I can bless somebody else because of how blessed I am. Does that make sense? Let's look at that next point. This is where we're going to pivot and, and talk about that, that thought of how we become a blessing, right? When you live from the blessing, you are free. Somebody say free. Freedom in Jesus' name from the manipulation of money. That, that's what happens. That freedom comes when you are blessed, when you realize how blessed you are. You don't have to get this. I love this. You don't have to chase the dollar no more because the blessing of God will find you down and chase you, right? Has anybody ever had the blessing of God just come find you? It's amazing, right? When you're living for God, he'll find you. He'll honor you if you're honoring him. You don't have to stress out, losing sleep at night, thinking, how am I going to pay the electric bill? How am I going to pay this? How am I going to pay that? What if this happens? What if that happens? You'll drive yourself nuts. If I'm just doing all that I can, I'm honoring God with my life, I'm honoring God with my finances, I see how blessed I am, God will chase you down. His blessings will find 
you. Amen? Give me God's blessing over any amount of money all day, any day. Sometimes my prayer is, God, give me just enough. Because I don't want to have too much where I, he's not number one. Right? Meet my needs. Let us have a good life. Give me just enough, God. Just enough. And that's how we honor. Give God uh, his honor and the blessings come. Amen. And that's that peace of God. When that happens, that's the peace of God that comes alive in us and begins to work in our lives, right? When you know that you're blessed, no one can talk you out of your blessing, right? When you live that way and you know how blessed you are, is anyone going to talk you out of how blessed you are? Why do you tithe? You tithe every Sunday at your church? Anybody ever heard that before? You know, that's Old Testament stuff. You don't have to live that way anymore. Anybody ever heard that? You know, that's the, that's the enemy trying to creep in and steal your blessing. Right? We have to honor him in all things. No one can talk you out of your blessing if you believe in it enough. If you believe in him enough. Deuteronomy 28. I love Deuteronomy 20. If you've got your Bibles, turn there. On your phone, on your Bible, I love the word of God. If you've never been there, never read it, you need to highlight this whole chapter. There is a lot of great stuff in, in the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy, okay? And I'm going to talk about how blessed you are. You maybe not, don't even know it, or maybe you forgot about it. You need to remember it so that you can live an unshakable life. At verse 1, it says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord, your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, and the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth, and all these blessings, somebody say blessings, shall come upon you and overtake you because when you obey, underline that word obey, the voice of the Lord your God. He's fixing to explain all the blessings that they can walk into if they, what first obey. What's our saying here at Liberty Church? said all the time. Obedience precedes blessing. You can't walk into the blessing if you're not first walking in obedience. Come on, somebody. You have to walk in obedience. And, and that's just knowing the right thing to do and that, 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 the next right thing to do. If I'm continually doing that thing before the Lord, all these blessings that we're fixing to read are mine, right? As long as I chase God, his blessings chase me. So Deuteron Deuteronomy um, 3 verses 8. So we're going to read all these blessings that the God is getting ready to explain to the Israelites. Verse 3, you know what, let's do something kind of cool and different. Each time you hear me read the word blessed, I want y'all to say, I receive it. So that's practice. When I say blessed, y'all are going to say, y'all sound good. This will be cool. This will be fun. So verse 3, it says, your towns and fields will be blessed. I yeah, I like that. Do you believe it? Amen. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offering of your herds and your flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. Amen. Those are good things. Does it sound good to anybody? That's each and everything that your life touches. Everything about your life, your children, your job, your, your house, your cars, your, your, your life, your finances, your savings account, your bank account. It can all be blessed. Somebody receives it. I receive it too. Come on. I want the blessing of God and nothing else. All I have to do is chase 
him, allow him to lead my life, invite him in my life on a daily basis. And all these things are yours, right? Because our God's unshakable. You can be unshakable. Verse 7, it says, the Lord will conquer your enemies, and when they attack you, they will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter you from seven. When your enemies come against you, and if you confess the name of Jesus, you're probably going to have some enemies. They will attack you. They will attack you, but God says, I'll scatter them in seven different ways. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will be is giving you. Hear me. God wants to bless you because he knows you're unshakable. He wants his sons and daughters to look like him. He's unshakable. He says, I want my sons and daughters to look like me and be unshakable too. You know, we got baby Xander, and one of the best blessings is when people say, he looks just like you. I know it. Pastor Jessica's like, ah. Kind of hurts her feelings a little bit. You did, you did the hard work, and then everyone says he looks like me, right? But that blesses me. He looks like me. And as he grows, I hope that his... His life begins to look like mine too. You know, the Bible says we're made in the image of God. Right? And so that same desire, most likely, probably, lives in him. He wants his kids to look like him. He's holy. He wants you to live a holy life. Set apart for him. If I live set apart for him, like him, then the blessings that he has are mine. You see how that works together? That's the cycle of life, right? I can be in the cycle of life or I can be on the cycle of death if I want. So let's look at that. Let's transition. We talked about finances, okay? I hope you know that you're blessed this morning. You are. God bless you in Jesus' name this morning. So we're going to shift and we're going to talk about our spiritual lives, okay? So if we live in a place of spiritual need, we are always trying to appease God and earn his favor. If, if you don't know what appease means, that's, that's what it means. When you're, trying to, you're trying to earn this invisible thing all the time. Right? I'm trying to appease people, and I'm trying to appease even God, maybe. And so and this, if I live that way, instead of in the completed work of Christ, like we talked about, it creates this legalism and this guilt and this, this shame, this, this load, this weight on my back. right? And so I, I, can't, I can't live that way. And so if I don't feed my spiritual need, I'll be needy. And so I kind of want to talk about your spiritual growth is your responsibility. And so everything that we do is spiritual. So I don't want this point to seem like we're saying that, you know, if I have spiritual needs, then something's wrong with me. That's not what I'm trying to say. You need to be in a desperate spiritual place every day, all day, or other things become idols in our lives, Right? And so, but how I live in that place of, of pleasing the Lord instead of trying to uh, appease him is by growing on a daily basis. I have to feed that spiritual need that I have. Does that make sense to anybody? And so I, that's my responsibility. I have to do that. And so if you're not filling yourself and growing, you're going to always see yourself as not good enough in the eyes of God. And that's how you're going to be stuck on that, 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 that treadmill of guilt, shame, and condemnation because you're not, you're not feet, um you're not filling that spiritual need, okay? And so we have, to, we have to do that. We have to walk that out. And if you're not walking that out, you, you've bought that lie somewhere of the enemy that is keeping you stuck, 
right? And you just gotta, you gotta renounce that lie and you have to begin to begin walking by faith again. But let's look at Galatians 5, 1 through 6. Okay, it says, so Christ truly set us free. Now make sure that you what? Stay free. If Christ has set you free, stay that way. <laughs> stay that way. Stay free. And don't get tied up again in the slavery of the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. Stop trying to live to this this book of laws that maybe you have in your own life. My standards, right? And if I don't live up to my standards, Paul's saying if you live up to the law, then if you're trying to live up to the law to be made right with God, you have to fulfill the whole law. And you know you can't do that. Only by accepting what Christ has done, right? It says, verse 4, if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit, there it is, eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit to being circumcised or uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Let me wrap that up for you. If I live by the law, I'll die by the law. But when I live by the Spirit, I find righteousness. It's that simple. If you want to try live to the law according to your own life or even the, the actual law, the Ten Commandments, uh, excuse me, that Paul's talking about, you'll die by the law because no one can fulfill it completely. That's why Jesus had to come, right? Because we, we could not do it. And so that's why he has to come. And so you can choose grace or you can choose law. I want grace. Grace is better, right? That next point. So when we live from a place of righteousness, then we can walk in faith, boldness, and authority, right? When we walk by faith, the boldness and authority that comes to us is by walking in that righteousness that Jesus laid before us, right? Ian's not confident and bold. Ian does crazy things that I never thought I would do, but I only do it because Jesus did something to me. I would never be up here every Sunday if it was just Ian, right? That's what righteousness is, knowing that it's come to you, not by you or anything that you've even done, but because Jesus loved me so much, right? And then the confidence, the faith, and those things collide and come together, and it moves me to a place of faith, right? Righteousness is knowing I'm, I'm only made right through God, right? Through Christ, I can't attain that righteousness any other way. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 20, um, through 21. says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, right? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Y'all know that verse, right? It's an amazing promise. But go on to verse 18. It says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, making people right, making man right with the creator once again. That's what reconciliation means. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not inputting their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him, Jesus, 
who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The righteousness that we don't deserve through him, he's given us. Not on anything that I've done, right? And that is why we can confidently and boldly walk in that authority that comes with Christ, right? And we don't do that in a, in a prideful, boastful, arrogant way. When you walk in the confidence and boldness and authority of God, that should actually attract people to you, right? Pride and arrogance, that pushes people away, right? So maybe if we're pushing people away, maybe I need to stop and look at my life. Am I, am I walking in the confidence and boldness that Jesus Christ laid before me? Or am I walking in the cockiness and boldness and, and pridefulness of the world? Right? Because everyone was attracted to Christ. If we were to be Christ-like and be Christians, then people should be attracted to my life too. Right? And we can do that in a confident way. And you know what? When someone's trying to talk you out of your blessing, you can confidently and boldly say, you know what? No, I'm not compromising because I believe my God is and was and he's done this for me and he's going to do it again, right? And that's not in a, in a cocky way, right? Or a prideful way. That's, a, that's how we walk in confidence and boldness. You're not talking to me out of the way I live. I'm doing this because I'm honoring God, right? And when you do that in a real way, man, I believe that invites people to look a little closer, and they say, you believe that much? What has he done for you? He did that for you? You tell them another story. He did that for you too? And before you know it, maybe you're having a conversation about getting saved. Born again, right? And then God moves, right? Hebrews um, 13, 6 says, So we boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I shall not fear for what can man do for me, right? We have to daily be living for that audience of one, of who um, before our creator, right? To be moving by the spirit of God. That last point, sorry I'm going a little long, y'all. I'm about to wrap this up. When we live from a place of righteousness, we live in the pleasure, somebody say pleasure, of the Lord instead of trying to appease the Lord. When you live in the, the, the righteousness of God, he's automatically pleased with you. Do you see that? When I live in obedience, when I do what I'm supposed to do, when I give my family my best, when I give my job my best, when I don't cut corners and, and take shortcuts the way the world does, and I live in righteousness and truth, God is pleased with you. And when you know God is pleased with you, you don't have to live in appeasement anymore. <laughs> you don't have to live in guilt and shame and condemnation, right? Because a blessed person knows how blessed they are. There's nothing like living and resting and operating and ministering within the pleasure of the Lord. Anybody been there, done that? You know, I feel like, you know, I, I'm kind of my own worst critic. Sometimes I feel like Sunday mornings, my message goes really good. Other times I, I feel like I've done terrible and Jessica hears that in the car a lot. You did so good. I'm like, you're my wife. You're supposed to tell me that. <laughs> you, you know, but I say all that to say this. I, I know when I lay my head at night that because I'm doing what I'm doing, God is pleased with Ian, right? When you, when you are ministering and operating in your gifts and anointing and talent, you can know that God is pleased with you, right? Psalms 149.4, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. You go ahead and put all people there if you want. In his people, he will beautify and humble with salvation. Salvation are, is theirs to those who are living in the pleasure 
of the Lord. God is proud of you. He's pleased with you. He chooses you every day that the sun rises. Grace and favor and blessing are available to us if we choose him, right? God has not changed his mind about you. If maybe you're living or if you're in a tough place or struggling right now, man, we've all, I've been there. I have to talk myself out of those tough places too. You've got to remind yourself, God has not changed his mind about you. He's radically in love with you. He demonstrated, proved it on the cross, right? We're all sinners. We've all fallen short, and that's why Jesus had to come. Amen. Will you all close your eyes and bow your heads this morning? I want to close with some prayer and um, offer an opportunity for somebody who maybe wants to make a big decision today in their life. And so I just want to uh, seal the blessing of God over. Is anybody okay with that? Everybody wants that blessing, right? So right now, Lord, first I just pray up. God, I pray you seal that, that blessing. Deuteronomy chapter 28, God. God, that our kids will be blessed, that our fields will be blessed, that our, our lives will be blessed. God, that our cars and our homes and our families and our ministries will be blessed. And I pray that we would want that blessing so bad that we would every day say yes to God and say no to sin. That every day we would say yes, Jesus, and not today, devil. Just because of the blessing of God. I pray that that would happen. God, we want that blessing. We want your favor. We want that grace in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning, and if you're born again and you're, you're saved, you've already made Jesus your Lord, I want you to pray right now for the lost. If you're here today and you have not made Jesus your Lord and Savior, or you know what, maybe you have, but maybe you've fallen away and you just want to rededicate your life today. I don't know. You either never have made him Lord and Savior or you have and you want to make him Lord again today because you've fallen. Right now is a moment and it's your moment. We're all praying, believing for the lost right now. I don't want you to die and go to hell one day. I want you to die and hear that, that voice of Jesus say, enter in my good and faithful servant. And if you have any doubt in your mind right now that he may not say that to you, then this is your moment right now. I want you to stand up. Stand up. Stand up right now. No one's looking at you. This is a moment between you and you and God. If the King of Kings is speaking to you right now saying, stand up, then stand up, please. Don't let this moment pass you by. Okay, you can leave here different, better, happy, full of joy, full of peace. I'll give you a few more seconds if you want to do that today. Amen. God, Lord, well, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that proven by our deeds and our faith demonstrated here this morning, God, we've proven ourselves to be all saved, all born again. Lord, and I, I count that as, as joy, Lord. I, I hope and pray that you, you smile over this church and smile over its family and its believers. God, in that, Lord, I pray you continue to send lost people to us in Jesus' name. God, send the one to us. Send them, send them to us so we don't have to go find them, God. Send them here to Liberty Church. God, I want, I want to minister to the lost people. I want to minister to the, to the broken people, God, so that the kingdom of God can continue to flourish. The kingdom of God can continue to grow. Lord, that's my prayer. Lord, so we love you. God, we thank you. I thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. And we ask your mercy and your grace over us as we go. And we ask it by faith. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. And everybody here today said...
Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Anybody glad you came to church today? It all sounded like you did. I like that. That's good. Well, we're glad you came, okay? Come back and see us again next week. Amen. Y'all are dismissed.